0: As uh, y'all know, we are celebrating Memorial Weekend, so I know y'all are excited about having an extra day off, but just in uh, honor of this weekend, for those of you who have served in the military, if you would, or if if you are serving, would you just stand up just so that we can recognize you and, and share our thanks to you guys and ladies. Thank you guys. And, uh, you know, we're just so, we're so blessed to live, and, and just really the greatest, I've, I've been able to go to a lot of different places, and every time I come home, I am more and more thankful that God has allowed me to, to live here, and to have uh, men and women who've been willing to serve, and so we, we celebrate you today, we celebrate those who've gone on before us, who've given sacrifices that we might be able to have, have freedom Now, today we are concluding our series, Breaking Bad, and I know that there are some of you who are just going to be absolutely devastated by that, Uh, but we're going to be looking today in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse number 1, and the message today is called The Slow Fade. And uh, I got this idea from, I'm actually, I I enjoy playing golf. I like to play golf. I'm not any good at it. I don't know why I play, Uh, but my father and I, when the weather's good, we like to get together. Uh, at best about once a week in order to play and we visit and all those things. But uh, I always want to get better at golf. And so I was trying to figure out how can I hit the golf ball further. And so I read this article and of course the advice I see on those things, it sounds so easy but it's so hard. It said if you want to hit the ball farther, the only thing you have to do is hit the ball in the center of the club face. Okay, I'm thinking that sounds real easy and yet for some reason I really struggle with that. And it says if you, if you are, sw- any golfers here, by the way, I just want to make sure that I know that, uh, that I'm not just, there's probably like four of you going, yeah, I understand what you're talking about, the rest of you are like, I wish you'd shut up. So anyway, act, well, I'm just going to act like you all play golf. Now, uh, this is about a hundred, an average of 100 mile an hour swing, and you hit the ball in the center of the club face, it says on average, your ball will travel about 258 yards. Now, if you're off just a fraction of an inch from hitting it in the center of the club face, Kirk, then your ball's only going to go about 247 yards. And it says if you're off an inch, and this is assuming you have a correct swing, if you're just off an inch, your ball will only travel 227 yards. Now, what I'm learning about my swing is that I'm, I'm one of those guys that is always off at least an inch from the center of the club face. And so what that means for me is that my ball ends up in places, and not very far, but it ends up in places where I never want it to be. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, in our in our relationship with God, there's a lot of us who, we feel like we're doing pretty well, and yet we just seem like we're, you know, we're sort of like just a, a, an inch or two off in our relationship with God. You know, when we come through an impact, you are like, you know, I'm just a little bit off, and it doesn't seem that bad at impact, but as you extrapolate it out, you know, your, your ball just gets more and more off target. Your life and your walk with God just simply gets more and more off target. And so what are some things that cause us to get off target in our walk with God? Well, there's a whole bunch of them. But I think for a lot of us, it's just simple decision making. And a lot of us, just, we, we, make, we make decisions that are just a little bit off, of where God wants us to be. And so what happens is we end up way down the road in life. And we're like, why am I not further down the road or further down the fairway of life? You know, how did I end up in the woods? How did I end up in in this place in my life? And so today in our scripture, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Israelite people and we're going to see that on the surface, it looked like they weren't too off in their walk with God. what happened is that they were just a little bit off and it caused them to make some bad decisions and the bad decisions they made in life caused them to ask questions, how did we get here? And so it's my hope that we'll be able to examine ourselves and, and be able to see some warning signs that will help us to see when we are getting close to making bad decisions that will cause us to end up in places we never wanted to go. And so we're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 8. If you're wondering where that is, you can go to the front of your Bible and turn you know, a little bit right. And eventually you're going to run into 1 Samuel chapter 8. But as you're turning there, just a little background information. At this point in Israel's history, they were, like, they were a theocracy. You know, they, they were ruled by God. And they had a prophet who was basically the leader of the people. He was one who would speak for God. And the prophet that we're looking at today was a guy named Samuel. And Samuel would receive, you know, dreams and visions from God. Sometimes he would audibly hear the voice of God speaking to him to give instruction to the Israelites. And their job was to listen to him. And then to follow him because he was one who spoke for God. Now, if you're a little bit jaded, you might say, well, that could be a scam. I'm just going to be a guy that's just trying to look really good and wants people, he's on a power trip and he tells people I speak for God. And, and that does happen. But just to let you know, there, there was a very high standard for those who claim to be prophets of God. You know what it was? It was that everything you prophesy better come true. So I mean it's not like you just go out there and say I'm just going to say this for fun. I mean everything you prophesy has to be true otherwise if it's false There was a command from God that you were to kill the prophet. Now, I can tell you this about myself. I'm not going to be saying, you know, I hope that somebody will add prophet to my title. That makes me scared because if I ever spoke for, for God and it didn't come true in the Old Testament, you were to do away with this guy. And so there was a very high standard for prophet. Now, Samuel lived up to these standards. He lived up to the standard of prophet. How did it work out for the people? You know how it worked out? Whenever they were obedient to what God said, when they listened to Samuel, God blessed them. Whenever they didn't listen to Samuel, they made bad decisions. And they ended up in places they never wanted to be. So what are we going to do today? Very briefly, I want to share with you some warning signs that show that we are on the verge of making bad decisions in life. Now, I don't know if you think this applies to you or not. I can tell you about me. This applies to me. So I gotta pay attention here. So what are some warning signs that show that we're on the verge of making bad decisions? Very first warning sign is making excuses. If you're a person and you, you began to look in your life and you say, you know what, I make a whole lot of excuses for myself in life. This is a sign that you are, that you are on the verge or that you are already making bad decisions. Uh, Look in chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel, and his firstborn son's name was Joel, and his second was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. However, his sons did not walk in his way, and they turned toward dishonest gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, this is a great compliment, Look, you are old, and your sons do not follow your example. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us, or judge us the same as all the other nations have. Okay, who's Samuel? He's the virtual leader of Israel at this time. Why did the people pay attention to him? One of the first reasons why is because the Israelite people, I mean, pretty much when you read the Old Testament, they disobey God. You know, they're just, I mean, they're just absolute screw-ups all the time which is why we should like them because we're very similar to them. They're always being disobedient. God where are you? Come rescue us. God rescues them and they ignore God. And they cry out to God again, come rescue us. And God over and over again does exactly this. Well at this point the Philistines had taken over or had conquered Israel and they took the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all heard of the Ark of the Covenant before? Indiana Jones? Okay, they take the Ark of the Covenant. They don't have it anymore. I mean, this is the, the, an, a symbol of God's presence with them. Samuel comes to the people. says, once again, you guys have screwed up. said, you need to repent. Tell God you're sorry. Turn away from your idols, and God will bless you. As a matter of fact, he said this in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 3. He said, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, you get rid of your foreign gods and the asterisks that are among you, dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only Him. What will happen? then he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. People heard Samuel speak and they did what he said. You know what God did? He gave him victory over the Philistines. Now after that, do you think they thought Samuel was the guy they ought to pay attention to? Yes. They held Samuel in high esteem. They're like, this guy speaks for God. But what's so crazy about it is that they turn away from God again. Samuel, he gets older, and that's the very beginning of the verses we read. It says, Samuel, you're getting old. And they said, and on top of that, the sons that you have that you want to take your place, they're perverted. They, they, they take bribes. They, they turn away from justice. And so they said, Samuel, what we need is we need to have a king that's going to rule over us. Now, I look at that and I say, man, that seems logical to me. Samuels getting older his sons are corrupt and the people are like hey Samuel go ahead and give us a king you know they they wanted a leader that they could see that they could feel that they could touch and so what I see is they began to come up with excuses to get what they wanted now the excuses are good ones you Samuels getting old his sons are corrupt give us a king. That doesn't sound too bad to me. But it was outside of the leadership and the plan of God. And so they begin to rationalize and make excuses. Now here's what I learned from this. I do the same thing. Whenever I want something to go my way, I will make excuses to get what I want. I'll rationalize it. Most of us do this. I won't act like I speak for all of you but most of us we, we make excuses. Now let me give you some of the excuses we make or some of the things that we say. We come up with the it's not my fault excuse. Yeah, you know, there are many times whenever we, we want something really badly we go after it and it doesn't pan out like we want it to and so we begin to, we begin to make excuses. Say, well that didn't work out but it's not my fault. I, I know that in, I see this in marriage. I can, look at, I can give you this example in my marriage. There are times when my wife, Emily, and I, we will have arguments, okay? Not, not fights. You know, we will have arguments. And sometimes when we will argue, believe it or not, there are times, probably about 3% of the time, when she's right. And whenever she's right in our argument, what's really interesting to me, I, I, it's, it's, just, it's funny to stand up here and say it, because I know it's ticking her off by saying, you jerk. But, but it's, when I stand up here, I can say, you know what, I will try to defend myself even when I know I'm wrong in my arguments. Any of y'all been there before? Yeah, you know, I, I know that I'm wrong but then I can say, okay here's the reason that I'm being a jerk. Now I'll admit I'm a jerk but I'm a jerk because of what you did. Therefore it is your fault that I'm being a jerk. Any of y'all been there before? So we make, we begin to make excuses. Why do we make these excuses? In order to rationalize to get what we want. Another one, another excuse we make is we just live in complete denial. What I'm doing, some people say that it's wrong, that it's not right. But what I'm doing is something that I want. It is something that makes me happy. And and this is one I love to hear all the time. People People tell me this all the time. I know that it says that it's wrong in Scripture, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. Therefore, because God wants me to be happy, it's okay. Now, this is where the Israelites were at this point in our text. They start off making excuses, and the first excuse they make, if you look in verse number 5, Samuel, we love you, you've been a great prophet, but man, you're old. You know, you're not going to live much longer. Your sons are corrupt. You're past your prime. We want a king like everybody else. We want to show that we are up to date with the rest of the world. Now their excuse seems to be good, The excuses seem to be true, but wh- where should they have gone? They should have simply gone to God in prayer and said, God, we need you to give us another prophet like Samuel. But instead they made excuses to get what they wanted. Guys, let me tell you something, anytime you find yourself making a lot of excuses for the way that you're living and the decisions that you are making, you either have already made or you are on the verge making bad choices. you making excuses, you need to pay attention. That's the very first thing I see in our text today. The first warning sign that we're about to make a bad decision or that we have is we're making excuses. But here's the second warning sign and that is that we're trying to be like everybody else. You're on the verge or you've already made a bad decision when you are just simply trying to fit in with everybody else around you. And you can see this in verse number 5. It's the Israelites talking to Samuel. They said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not follow your example. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations. They have a great excuse. You're old, your sons are corrupt. Give us a king like all the other nations. You know what? That that is such a temptation for all of us to be like everybody else. To fit in with everybody else. And I, I, I understand this. I mean, who wants, to, who wants to be the one that says, you know, I, I am different than everybody else? Now, who wants to say, you know, I'm a, it's like if you are, if you're different, if you stand out from everybody else and you don't go the same way as everybody else, it's like you're putting a sign on saying, y'all look at me, I'm weird. You know, I'm strange. Y'all, if you can, just make fun of me because I've chosen to live a different way. Nobody wants to do that. Let me try to give you an example. Uh, seagulls are, are strange strange birds. And they're strange for one. I mean, they're, uh, they're very competitive. You go to the beach and just throw stuff out on the ground and just watch them. You know, they will, have y'all noticed that they just like flock together and they try to kill each other. Trying to get, you know, like a piece of bread or something. It's very competitive. But they can't stand it when one bird gets something or has something that they don't have. Uh, Philip Yancey, who's a Christian author, who, uh, he, matter of fact, he went to college here in Columbia, he uh, wrote an article, said that you can actually tie a red ribbon around the leg of a seagull, let him go, and the other seagulls, when they see that bird with something different, you know what they do to them? They attack it. They will actually, I don't know, when we go to the beach next time, I think I'm going to try this. Uh, so they, they will attack that seagull, and they will, they will peck at it till it's just like in a bloody, until a bloody heap. Why? because it's different. It's different. And so they're going to attack it. Now, this is where again, where the Israelites are. They were tired of being different. How are they different? They had a prophet. How strange is that? We have a guy that, that communicates with God and he tells us what to do. They wanted a king like everybody else. And yet, here's what's interesting. If you look in the Bible, all throughout Scripture, God tells us that He's called His people to be holy. And you're familiar with that, right? You're, you're to be holy. You know what the word holy means? To be separate. To be separate from everybody else. Now how do we, how do, we do that? You, you become holy, you are separated from everybody else whenever you allow God to lead your life when, when you look into scripture and you follow his word and say, I'm going to base my decisions off of what God says, not off of what I want. That is how you become holy. Now, why would we do that? Well, there's a good reason for it. 1 John 2, 15-17. Look what it says. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, not the desire of the eyes, the pride and possessions, it's not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is, what's it doing? Jill's turn. It's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now whenever we seek after the pleasures of this world and we seek to fit in with everybody else, we are told in scripture, it's temporary. Whenever we go after the things of God, we seek after God, what does He have in mind for us? What's His plan for us? It's eternity. It's a life a value, a life for all time. So here's the question, why in the world are we tempted by the things of this world if it's just temporary? If it's not fulfilling and not satisfying in the long run? You know, why do we go after cotton candy which looks so good, but what happens when you stick it in your mouth, it's so dissatisfying? Why do we go after all that junk instead of the meat and the fullness of God? You know what? It's because it is in our nature to get fulfillment and satisfaction now. We don't like to wait for anything. Think about some of the stuff the world offers us. And I'm going to go to the basic one that you know, you're going to expect a preacher to talk about. So I'm just going to go ahead and fit in. You know what? I, th- I think one of the first things I think premarital sex. And sex outside of marriage. What, what, is, what does God say? God says don't do that. Wait, what does the world say? That's normal. Go after it. You give into it. That's what the world does. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Now, in the short term, which one's funner? God's way or the world's way? The world's way. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, God's way. You're, you're lying. Now, the, the, the world's way is always immediately funner. Why? Because we get it now. But what's better? God's way is better. And let me tell you something, I know this. God's way is better. Because it protects you. It keeps you from the scars and the damage that comes along with the world's way. Now anytime you begin to base your reasoning off of this, everybody else is doing it. How many have used that one in high school or, or maybe in college? If that is what you're basing your decisions off of, let me tell you something. You are crazy. Don't ever make your decisions because everybody else is doing it. God's not called us to be like everybody else. He's called us to be holy. He's called us to be separate and different. So the first warning sign that that you're about to make bad decisions as you begin to make excuses you want to be like everybody else and here's the final one. When you begin to ignore God's instructions now, you can see this in chapter 8, and I'm not going to read all of this because it's really, it's kind of long. But in, in verses 10, if you go ahead, y'all go ahead and look in there, verses 10 all the way down to verse number 19. God says, here's what God, I'll just summarize it a little bit here. God says to uh, Samuel, the people want a king. And God, because he's gracious, what God says to him. God says, tell the people, if, if they want a king, I'm going to let them have one. You know, God did not create us as robots. It's really interesting. God allows us to make our own choices, but God gives us direction. Say, hey, this is, if you follow me, this is what happens. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. So he said, Samuel, tell them. If they get a king, that's what the king's going to do. king is going to take your sons and daughters, and he's going to turn them into his soldiers. He's going to take your other people, he's going to make them your slaves. He's going to tax you out of your mind. He's going to take the best of your crops. He's going to take your money. And God said, tell the people, there's going to be a day when you're going to start crying out to me, saying, our king is ungodly. He's oppressing us. And you know what God's going to do? He said, you tell the people this. When they do that, tell them I'm not going to listen to them. Would that get your attention if God says that to you? I I would like to think it would get my attention. So Samuel, because God is gracious... He tells the people this. Do you know how the people respond? In, if you look in verse number 19, it says, and the people refused to listen. They refused to listen. Y'all, you know, this is another reason why I don't believe in evolution. We do not get smarter as time goes on. They refused to listen. Now, Think about what the, think about what the world offers us today. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I believe it or not, I'm a person just like you. And I see some of the stuff I get tempted by, and I'm like, that is so dumb. The world points out all these things that it can give us. You know, joy, happiness, peace, excitement. And we go after them. And, guys, and it never provides what it offers. And we're always Disappointed. And God tells us this all throughout Scripture. God says, you live within my parameters. God says, I'm going to bless you. Now what happens is we see parameters, we see it as a fence or as prison bars. See, God's trying to keep me in prison to keep me from having fun. God, that's not it. God has parameters because it's like, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a bubble of blessing. God says, you, you stay inside of this Life's good. You get outside of it, it becomes dangerous, and it will destroy you. And too many of us see God's parameters, it's prison. They try to give you an example of the, I, I would say, and I, I know that I know Hank would agree with me, our best dog we've ever had was a chocolate lab named Count. Count's a great dog. We now have two demon dogs. And I would like to uh, blame Drew and Never mind. The Royals—they're on the back row, back here on the left. Anyway, we have these two dogs. They're good. They're good. Do- they're good dogs. I like them. They're just dogs, though. And uh, but Count was a great dog. He had personality. He was a Christian. And uh, <laughs> he—we—we uh, we ha- we used to have this yard that had a fence. And the fence was—it was a great. You know, had plenty of yard for the dog to run around in. All this space for him. You know where Count spent most of his time? right up against the fence. drove me crazy. All that yard and he stayed right next to the fence. And he's always looking longingly outside the fence. Now we didn't want him outside the fence because if he got outside the fence you know we're not there, he's on his own, there's cars out there, he could get run over, he would get killed. And he's always trying to dig, he would always he would try to dig out underneath the fence. He didn't see that fence as something that was there to protect him that he could, where he could enjoy life inside the fence. He saw it as prison. It's what we do with God. We, we, see, we see the fence that he has or the parameters that he has and we see it as prison. Now here's the thing about God. God doesn't make us robots. He will allow you to dig out underneath his parameters and you can have your own way. And there comes a time when God, if, if we are persistent in ignoring what God says, God will finally say, have what you want. You have at it. And we'll see what happens. Israel got their king. They got a king finally. God told Samuel, he said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You know how many kings Israel had? It's kind of interesting to me. They had 41 kings. You know how many kings followed God out of 41? Eleven. Out of those 11 kings You know how many kings Remained faithful to God Throughout their lives Four It's not good It's not good statistics at all And yet God finally said You can have a king Now here's my question for you in closing Who is your king? Is it you? Is it relationship? Some relationship? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it entertainment? Is it doing what everybody else is doing? Who is it that is your king? Because when I look in Scripture the Bible tells us who our king is to be. It is to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords who set up a parameter for you to enjoy His blessings. The guys where we get in trouble, where we find ourselves on the road to making bad decisions is whenever we begin to make excuses, when we want to be like everybody else, and when we ignore God's instruction. Let me tell you, whenever we get on that path, we are breaking bad. And the world needs to see you and me trusting and following the leadership of God. You know, we, we are, we are, we've been in a mess for, for far too long because we've ignored the leadership of God. Not just outside the church. Guys, the church. God needs us to trust Him. And my challenge for you is to do just that. Say, God, I don't understand how all this works out. You know what? I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to put your desires and your heart above my own. You put him to the test like that, and then see what God will take.